All right, if I haven't had a pleasure of meeting you, I'm one of the pastors here. My name's Eric Haskins. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries, and it's good to be with you this morning. I want to do a little blurb right at the beginning here before I, I uh, get going with my actual sermon. My cohort, Felicia Thompson, Dr. Felicia Thompson, is preaching right now in, in the classic service in the sanctuary. I encourage you, when they post her message online or right after this one, if you're not doing anything, you have to rush out of here, stay for the second service in here because she will be preaching live in here and I will then go there. The reason I encourage you to do this is because typically the way this works, we're assigned a topic and we kind of brainstorm with how we're gonna collaborate with, with the one we're teaming with in the different sides of our worship expressions here. Today, it was a kind of a standalone. And the way the spirit worked with this is we almost have two sides of one coin. And I think that's just beautiful. So I want to encourage you to get Felice's message because it's the outliving of what I'm preaching on. And what she's encouraging us to do, you need what I'm encouraging us to do to have that happen in a healthy, Christ-centered way. So sometime this week, give another listen, okay? Okay, good. Anyone been accused of uh, not listening? Right? Yeah, right. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll restate that. Any husbands <laughs> been accused? Yeah, now, and I see the elbows going, okay, right. Been accused of not, not listening. Now, full disclosure, I always like to be as authentic as I can be up here. Um, here's a, a Facebook post I did not so far uh, long back. Maya's my daughter, Linda's my wife. Setting, Maya and I on the couch with Linda talking to us. Linda, blah, 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 something, something. Leaves room. Me, what did mommy just say? Maya, I don't know, I wasn't really listening, okay? I'm sure we've all experienced those. Now, for me, this usually happens when I'm distracted by something really important, like watching Rogue One on Netflix. Do you believe Star Wars is on Netflix? It's amazing, all right? And Linda comes in and she wants to talk, all right? I'm like, can't you see I'm in the middle of this for the 30th time? I love this part. Now, the scary thing is I see this developing, this selective hearing, if we're honest, right? I see this developing my daughter as my post shows. Now, for me, taking this a step further in my life, a new urgency and significance came to my mind and heart a couple years ago. I had just begun a planned three-month sabbatical. I was a pastor in Wisconsin. I, had a, I was there a number of years, and it was a planned three-month sabbatical. I began this sabbatical experience by taking a four-day silent retreat. And I'll never forget what I wrote in my journal that first night on that four-day silent retreat. Four words. Four words I never want to write again in my journal, ever. Those four words were, God, I miss you. God, I miss you. Now, now, some of you might be going, well, Eric, how does a pastor miss God? Don't you kind of work for him or something? <laughs> now, my answer to that is that we, I miss God the way any of us miss somebody, is that we let other things distract us. I let other voices distract me from the one true voice I need to keep front and center throughout my life for a whole host of reasons. And when I'm distracted from hearing God's voice clearly in my life, my relationship with Jesus is dry. 
and lifeless and empty. And I begin to second guess and I begin to doubt and I begin to fear and I begin to get anxious. And it lacks the intimacy that all life-giving relationships need for survival. Anyone else feel this way? Anyone else relate? I want us to think about this in a very practical way. So when you came in today, you should have received a word. If you did not receive a word, either look on your neighbor around you or on the screen here will be the list of words that we did hand out. So in the next moment, go ahead and choose one of these words that most resonates with you if you didn't receive this. If you did receive a word, get it out. Here's what we're going to do with this. In a moment, I'm going to have this as you're able to stand. And then I'm going to say go. When I say go, I want you to say your word as loud as you want. And you're going to keep saying that word as loud as you want until your word disappears from the screen. When your word disappears from the screen, I want you to go silent and just take a seat. Okay, you with me? Everyone have the word? All right, let's stand if, as you can. Ready? Go. shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them. They follow me. I've come to give you a life that is beyond words, a life of peace and joy and love. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. Okay. I've come when I said go, Matt started reading, right? But why couldn't we hear him? We had all these other competing voices. That is exactly the same thing that happens in the everyday moments of our life. We have all these competing voices, and some of them are good. Family and God and faith and, you know, unless you know, I get let go from this place, take root. It's all good. But sometimes those, even those good things can distract us from the true voice that we need to be very intentional to tune into. And what we're going to see today is as you create space to listen, you hear Christ's voice more clearly. Now, if we slow down and think about it, any relationship we have, we need to create space to listen, to keep it healthy, to keep it growing. Many would never say it's true, but the way we live our life, it, it, it kind of shows that we think good relationships just happen. But we know when we think about it, that's not true in marriage, it's not true with our children, it's not true with our close friends, and it's certainly not true with our relationship with Jesus. Jesus is longing to speak to us, and he's consistently speaking to us in a variety of ways. 
But there are so many competing voices vying for our attention that his voice gets drowned out unless we're intentional about it. Those other voices are too loud and they're too persistent and they seem too urgent in the moment. And the adage, the squeaky wheel gets the oil rings true here as well. Good thing is, the scriptures have a lot to say about how do you create space and sit at the feet of Jesus. And if you just look at the teaching of Jesus, especially through the gospels, he teaches this directly by his actual teaching and words, he says, but more so when you slow down and go slowly through the gospels and you watch how Jesus lives his life in the everyday moments, there's a depth of teaching there that is powerful. That how Jesus himself the Son of God had to create space to listen to the Father. Today, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to walk through the story of Mary and Martha. For many, it's a familiar story if you've been around the church. For others, I hope you find a delight in this and a power in this. And every time I go back to it, I'm just convicted and energized. And it's just a powerful story. One of my favorites from the Gospels. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke 10. I will also have key passages on the screen for us. Luke 10. Now, this is shortly before Jesus goes to the cross, near the end of his ministry. He's coming in to Jerusalem. And as Jesus and disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And oh, yeah. Martha, Mary, and who's their brother? Yes, Lazarus. They are some of Jesus' best friends on earth, right? Yeah, Jesus had best friends, <laughs> all right? These are three of them. He loved these folks. <coughs> so when he enters into this house, it, isn't, it, isn't, it is not entering into a stranger's house. It is entering into a house of a best friend. And you know how it is if you haven't seen a best friend in a while, what do you want to do? You just want to hug them. You want to catch up. You just want to sit and be with them. You have to read this with that in mind. He's been traveling with this motley crew of guys. <laughs> he needs a change, right? Jesus and disciples were on the way. He came to the village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, every time I study this passage, every time I reread this passage, I'm always struck by how Martha is the one who invites Jesus in, yet it is Martha who leaves Jesus and becomes distracted by all these things that had to be done. It strikes me because I'm convicted. I'm convicted by how often in the morning when I create that space in my office at home, in my chair, with my cup of coffee, looking out my backyard window, as I do most mornings, I invite Jesus to take part in my day. And yet by then how I live my day, I kind of leave him there in the living room, or in my case, my home office, as I go about my day. But I've ever slowed down to confirm that I'm doing what Jesus wants me to do. Or, or better put, 
when I asked Jesus for guidance, have I paused long enough to listen for a response? Notice verse 40. Martha was distracted. Again, distracted from what? From listening to Jesus, from hearing his word for her, from experiencing their relationship the way Jesus wanted, not the way she thought. But look at what Mary does in contrast. Verse 39, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, I love the Gospels. I love reading the Gospels because I have a beautiful, I have the picture of Jesus. And when you read through the Gospels, you begin to pick up something about Mary. Mary is always in the same place. When you read her in the gospel, she's always at the feet of Jesus. So here we have her at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything that he's saying to her. A little bit later, in John 11, in the context in this passage is um, Lazarus has just died. Remember, if you're familiar with the gospels, that they bring word to Jesus, Lazarus is sick, your best friend's sick, one of your best friends is sick, come back. And he's like, I got time. We're good. And he waits. Well, Lazarus does die. And so now Jesus starts coming back. Mary hears he's on the road coming into town. Mary rushes off. And we find her. When Mary reached the place where Jesus saw, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What a powerful statement. What a show of faith. John 12, a chapter later, thanks to Jesus, Lazarus is now enjoying dinner parties again. Okay? So they're at a dinner party, celebrating a festive time, and I'm sure there are like people across the table, Lazarus, how was it being dead? Right? I mean, wouldn't you want to ask that? In the midst of this festive affair, Mary comes rushing in. And in John 12, we read, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and the other gospels fill that in for us. The other gospels say that's about a year's wages. A year's wages, she pours it out on the feet of Jesus and begins wiping it with her hair. A year's wages poured out as an act of worship and honor and reverence not to mention all the social taboos she is breaking in this culture. A woman with her hair down, a woman with her head not covered, a woman touching a rab rabbi's feet, a woman touching a man's feet in public. The list can go on and on and on. She did not care. Why? Because when you read these passages, you see this growing understanding of who Jesus is to her and this outworking of expression of worship to him. It wasn't just head knowledge. There was a demonstration of this knowledge. There was a demonstration of this love, of how more and more Jesus is captivating her heart. Such a beautiful picture. I would say this can be true for us because as you create space to listen, you hear Christ's voice more clearly. 
Now, this is where the story gets really interesting because at this point, what happens next gives us a picture of someone who's not livingly, living intentionally about creating the space to listen to Christ. It's just the opposite. Beginning midway through verse 40 there, Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. No, no when you read that, it's not like Martha. Martha, I, I think you've got to read it with this, this tone of knowledge, this tone of, oh, yeah, I forgot how type A you are, Martha. You know, you know what I mean? So I, I think it's that care and that intimacy, that knowledge that he has of his best friends in the world that he goes, oh. And I can just see a little smirk on Jesus' face, shaking his head, Martha, Martha, we've got to lighten up a little, you know? So there's this expression of love and care and knowledge. And the Lord answered, though, very clearly, you are worried and upset about so many things, Martha, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Relax. You're good. I love you. Now notice this. The result of all this activity, the result of all this work that Martha is doing for Jesus doesn't produce more compassion, more love, more empathy, more concern, more kindness. It does just the opposite. It produces doubt and distrust and insecurity and anxiety. And anytime those emotions are welling up in Martha's life or in your life, dare I say, in my life, we know something is out of whack with God. Something is not lined up with God. That perhaps there's an undue focus on the activity to earn God's favor versus because we favor God in our life, we are entering into that activity. It's a huge difference. Consider that with this very good litmus test, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, in your own life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we all go, ooh, that sounds really good. And many of us go, oh, man, I only wish. If the Spirit of Christ is at work in your life, then the Spirit himself will develop those qualities in your life. It's not about you going, oh, I wish I was more gentle. I got to be more gentle. Darn it, I'm going to be more gentle. No, no, no. It's a byproduct of simply creating that space, allowing God access to your heart as you sit at the feet of Jesus listening. It's a byproduct of that relationship. The other side of it we see in Martha the byproduct is fear-filled. When we take control, when we try to, I'm going to do this no matter what, it's fear-filled, worried, self-focused, upset over many things, lovable Martha. And many of us relate to that. Anyone feel like it's getting a little warm in here? <laughs> a little twitchy? Consider this as well with Martha. She is doing things Jesus never asked her to do. You realize that, right? 
Jesus never asked her to put on this amazing supper that she was known for. And as a result, she's distracted by all these competing voices of I have to do, I have to, I have to, I have to. And these competing voices enables her or leads her to accusing her sister of being lazy. And then it leads her somewhere else a little bit darker. Did you catch it? Because she's so distracted by these competing voices in her life, Martha actually accuses Jesus of being uncaring. Jesus, don't you care that I'm slaving away in here for you? At least you could show me you care by sending in Mary so I can make it really good for you. I am doing this for you. You kind of, that's not my version of the Bible, so you know. <laughs> in Martha's head, Jesus doesn't appreciate all she's doing for him. Why doesn't he send in Mary to help? And she just gets herself all in this lather. Even if you were to ask Jesus, he's like, Martha, we, we heard it, Martha, Martha, Relax. Yeah, I do love your matzo ball soup. But I'm not here for you today. I'm not here for that today. I'm here for you today. All I want is you. And that's why Mary's cho choosing what is better. Why don't you just join us here? Relax. And far too often, we work at making ourselves acceptable to Jesus. When in the end, Jesus has done all the work. And this is what the cross is all about. It's not cleaning ourselves up first, showing ourselves to be worthy. Our part is simply to sit at the feet of Jesus, receiving by grace all that God has already done through Jesus. This is what listening to Jesus is all about. This is what sitting at his feet is all about. And when we simply and intentionally create the space to listen, to sit at his feet, we offer Jesus our hearts. And by his grace and his grace alone, he transforms our hearts to be just like his. When you let that sink in, you have to ask this question. When was the last time I really just sat at the feet of Jesus listening? If we believe we're in a living relationship, or better put, if we believe we're in a relationship with the living Christ, remember that little thing we celebrate every year at Easter? The living Christ. It's not a one-way street. It's a living relationship. I need to listen. I need to receive. I need to be quiet. That's what Martha forgot. She forgot first to be with Jesus and then live out of that relationship to sit quietly at his feet, to be present, to hear all that he desired to share with her. And go a different angle here, maybe a little bit more pointed, maybe stepping on a little more toes. If we were to pause and we had an authentic moment right now, how many of you are feeling the same way Martha did towards God? God doesn't appreciate all you're doing for him. He can't because you've been praying for this one thing. You've desired this other thing. And from your perspective, it's never happened and it seems like it's taken an awful long time. But this whole time, it's been one-sided. All you're doing is barking prayers at God instead of humbly receiving from God. 
And due to our self-imposed fast pace of life, we begin then, as I felt a number of years ago at the beginning of my sabbatical, drained and empty, devoid of God's presence in my life. And then I begin to be short-tempered. And I begin to, whether God really cares for me at all, begin to doubt that. Now, it's usually at this point in our story that someone begins to really take up the cause of Martha. I was teaching this not too long ago in one of the classrooms around here. And sure enough, right at this point, well, Eric, you know, you just can't sit around all day. Usually the, the, the Martha, they, they rise up the Martha flag and they begin to defend her. And the last time I was teaching this, it struck me in all my time, and I go back to this passage a lot for my own benefit. Believe me, I need to hear this message as much as anybody. In all my time teaching this, only one person has ever defended Mary. One person, and that's Jesus. Even though right here in the scriptures, everyone who's reading it, we have this picture of Martha and we have Jesus saying, Mary has chosen what is better. Everyone goes, well, Eric, you know, you can't just sit around all day. Mary has chosen what is better. They're red letters in my Bible. I don't know about yours, but right? Red letters are like, ooh, hold on. Jesus' words, right? So what does that tell you? No one defends Mary. They always defend Martha. I don't have an answer for that yet. I'm still percolating that. But I think it says a lot about our culture. I think it says a lot about our hearts. And I think it says a lot about our need to listen to what Jesus is trying to teach us. To first sit at his feet and listen. And then live out of that. So, if this passage shows us anything, it shows us as you create space to listen you hear Jesus' voice more clearly. So as we wrap this up, I'm going to give you three next steps. I want you to make your own. I want you to incorporate these three next steps and experiment with them. Have fun with them, all right? Individually, with your family, all these would be amazing to talk about with your family. And also, if you're in a small group, which I hope you are, if you're not, come talk to me. We'll hook you up. Um, in your small group, talk about how do you do this as a group? How do you enable each other to do this? So here's what we're going to go. Number one, how do we start living this out? Begin by giving your day to Jesus. Now, this might be different for different people. Here's what I do. And based off of this, I love this um, quote by C.S. Lewis. Lewis writes, the real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in all day. Oh, I love that passage. Now, the way I practice this 80% of mornings, this morning I did it, 80% of mornings when I'm aware that I'm aware that I'm aware, you follow me, right? You're waking up, I'm like, oh, is this, am I dreaming? When I'm aware, I'm aware. It's my practice most days to say the Lord's Prayer. 
to set my day. Before my feet hit the ground, I don't remind myself, our Father, I'm, it's not just about me. I'm part of a larger community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. It's not me building my little kingdom. It's me because I'm part of this bigger thing because it's our Father that I get invited into by God. So even before my feet hit the ground, I have a perspective on my day. I once had a college student hear this, and he goes, Eric, I love that idea. And so here's what I did. I wrote out the Lord's Prayer, and I taped it to my ceiling. <laughs> so when I woke up, when I wake up, I, first thing I see, I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey, make it your own. According to your schedule, according to your lifestyle, according to how you get up. But some way, somehow, give your day to Jesus at the beginning. Set that orientation be listening for that voice. Number two, be anticipating Jesus to speak to you throughout your day, right? It's not you have this little time in the morning and then you're one and done and like you go out through the day. This thing right here is always in my pocket, right? Most of us is the same. It's very close to us. Now, one of the reasons of this is that people are always communicating with me. And there's two people I really, really get excited when they do that, right? My wife and my daughter, all right? My daughter's in high school. Eric, they text in school? Well, it's 2017, yeah. There you go. So, but when they get a text in, I'm, oh, that's my wife. What does she have to say, all right? Why am I so eager to hear from them throughout the day? Because they have my heart, right? They have my heart. And so I want to hear from them. I go out of my way to hear from them. If I get out of a meeting with Mark and he just gave me some crazy assignment or encouraged me some crazy way, I go, sometimes I just got to rant to Linda. No, no offense, but you know. And I just got to get off my chest. But all the times I'm celebrating. You won't believe this. What's Sue Ann? And uh, you know, I had this amazing lunch with Sue Ann. I got to tell you, blah, 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 blah. Because it has my heart. And I want to share and I want to express. Same thing with Jesus. Jesus loves us. He wants to communicate with us throughout the day. And he's waiting. And he is eager. So how are you doing it? Before I came on staff here, I um, did three key things. <laughs> A little crazy. Stay-at-home dad. Worked part-time at Apple and Oak Brook. And some of you, oh, I knew I recognized you. And then I was finishing up my doctoral program. So I was doing all those three things at once. And when I was at Apple... It's kind of crazy, and some of you don't even go in the Apple Store in Oak Brook because you know how crazy it is, all right? And believe me, when you're on the floor there and you're in your uniform and you're all geared up and you're helping, it, it is nuts. So what I had to do to create that space on my breaks at lunch, I would have this out, but I would have my Bible in an iPod or in, in the, you know, in the a podcast. And I would listen to a passage. I would do a devotional. I also have a centering prayer app on my phone, just to center me back to the one voice. Because believe me, in that store, there's a whole lot of voices barking at you. And all of them aren't happy, if you can imagine that. So I have to be intentional. You have to be intentional about that. But anticipate Jesus speaking to you. So how will that look in your flow of life to create that space to listen in the midst of your day? Again, customize it, experiment, explore. 
Last one is end your day by reviewing it with Jesus. This is one that is it's just hard to do, and at the same time, oh, man, how rewarding is this? For families to do this together at the dinner table, it's a beautiful thing. When you simply say, hey, kids, where did you see Jesus today? Just that question and what that floats out there. My last uh, leadership team gathering, I floated that to our team. I say, hey, guys, this last week, where have you seen God? It's amazing what people say or don't say. Some people are like deer in headlights. Oh, oh yeah, the God thing. Right? But then you begin to recognize these patterns. And that's why this is powerful. When you do this as a rhythm in your life, you begin to recognize patterns of your life. When does God feel close? When does he feel far and why? And what can you do to rearrange it so he's always as close as can be, even when that one boss is in the room? Right? Even in the midst of that, how are you going to do that? So these three things are just suggestions, but I'm telling you, the more you incorporate, you're intentional about this. Because remember, the beginning of the illustration, there's all these competing voices. If we're not intentional, I guarantee it will not happen. If you want help doing this, I'd love to talk with you. In fact, I'm hosting a day-long event on September 16th called Soul Training 101. There's some flyers out in the Growth Center, and we're going to be talking about this. How do you sit at the feet of Jesus? What are experiences that people have done through the ages? So if you're interested in that, taking that next step, that might be a good next start for you. Whole small groups, it would be amazing for you to come together. Imagine what would happen if everyone who called Christ Church home would be so intent on hearing God's voice that they would do whatever it took to create space to listen. Imagine the freedom, the joy, the power of the Holy Spirit would grow in our life, in our church's life, if we together intentionally sat at the feet of Jesus as a way of life. Imagine the impact we could have on our coworkers. If instead of being so focused on what we need to do to advance our careers, we created space listening to the heart of God, listening for those promptings of who we need to serve in our workplace. Imagine what our family would be like if we would stop blocking God's voice by doing things that distract us from our pain, from our disappointments, and actually dealt with them with God's help and God's grace. Imagine, as you create space to listen, you hear Jesus' voice more clearly. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are and who you are in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you are always speaking, that you desire to speak to us. Lord, I ask that we would turn our hearts to you, that we would sit at your feet and listen first, and then live accordingly. In the name I pray. Amen.